This is made possible by Dustin Campbell, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, and Craig. Politics, politics program for August 5th, 2022. Your old pal, Justin Robert Young here. Joining you on this fine Friday. It is uh, yet again 100 degrees in Austin, Texas. Who knows when this heat is going to break, but we continue to keep the heat on all of the political dialogue for which you need to know about, including World War Three. Question mark. Nancy Pelosi goes to Taiwan. We break down exactly why she did it, the ramifications and how far back some of the Taiwan conversation has affected the American foreign policy sphere. A candidate who was backed by the Democratic Congressional Committee. One problem. He's a mega Republican. And he beat in his primary one of the only congressional Republicans to vote to impeach Donald Trump. The pattern of the DCCC picking their preferred opponents continues as the monkey paw curls yet again. And finally, in Kansas this week, there was a referendum in a state where Donald Trump won by double digits, the people of Kansas decided that they would not amend their state constitution to further restrict abortion. This has been the first referendum that we have seen on this issue since the repeal of Roe versus Wade. What does it mean? Well, we begin with that conversation in our talk with Kevin Ryan this episode. He makes his illustrious return to the program. And as you might imagine with Kevin, we end in, <laughs> you know, the, the 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 very existential nature of finding God in death. So buckle your seatbelts for that one. All that. But first. 43 years ago, with the Taiwan Relations Act, America made a bedrock promise to always stand with Taiwan. And on this strong foundation, we have built a thriving partnership, grounded in our shared values of self-government and self-determination, focused on our mutual security interests in the region and across the world committed to the economic ties that power prosperity for all of our people. And Taiwan has been an island of resilience in the world. Indeed, the people of Taiwan have proven to the world that with hope, courage, and determination, it is possible to build a peaceful and prosperous future. That is Nancy Pelosi speaking at a joint press conference with the president of Taiwan this week. Her visit to the island was the most high-profile moment in a trip that has set off alarm bells throughout the Pacific and the world. 
Speaker of the House is the most senior United States official to visit Taiwan in 25 years. Her statement of unity with Taiwan was enough for China to cut off trade to Taiwan and begin military drills that will encircle the island nation for at least the next few days. Of course, Taipei, the capital of Taiwan, and Beijing, the capital of the People's Republic of China, share something in common. They both view each other as illegitimate governments. In fact, both of them believe they are China. Taiwan has, in the intervening decades, become a manufacturing powerhouse, specifically in technology. One of Pelosi's stops during her day-long trip was at chip-making powerhouse TSMC. Reportedly, Pelosi was pushing them to step up their American manufacturing because chips are really important. And, you know, there's this big chips bill that just passed Congress, so there's going to be a lot of chip building in the United States. But still, during our most recent episode of We're Not Wrong, Jen Briney made the point that this may just as much be a soothing of the relationship that even though we're going to be building a lot more chips in America, don't worry, there is a place for you at the table. As for how important TSMC is to chip making for American technology giants, I texted our PX3 guest host and Daily Tech News show host Tom Merritt about how important TSMC was. Here's what he wrote back, quote, If Thanos snapped all of TSMC out of existence, the current chip shortage that we are experiencing right now would look like a flood. Let me add into context there that our current chip shortage has led to higher prices and or less features on everything from phones to computers to cars and many, many more. By the way, Merritt went on to say, Uh, Here's an alternate for K-pop fans. TSMC is to U.S. device device makers what P-Dog is to BTS. Hopefully that made sense to some of you. Oh, by the by, China has boosted its military capabilities and become an economic powerhouse of its own in the last few decades. And because of this, the Pelosi trip was not something that the Biden administration wanted, at least not publicly. The State Department implored Pelosi not to go for several reasons. Among them, fears that China would retaliate against the United States by beginning to supply Russia with more equipment and weapons for their campaign against Ukraine. So far, they have been on the sidelines. But for some things, up to and including drones, which Russia really needs and China makes more than anybody else in the world, They have remained dormant. But in reality, this is only one of the most recent times that Taiwan has been among the focal points of American foreign policy in the Pacific. And remember, it is the stated goal of this State Department and Pentagon that we are engaging in a Pacific pivot No longer are we going to be entirely preoccupied with the Middle East. No, no, no. Our eyes begin to gaze westward. But that's not exactly new. Taiwan has, well, 
Always been something we've talked about. Here's a fun little uh, trivia fact. The famous 1960 presidential debate between John F. Kennedy and Richard Nixon featured a long back and forth between the two of them about the defense of Taiwan, then named Kimoy and Matsu. JFK was for an aggressive military defense if China crossed certain thresholds. Nixon thought that it was another Korea waiting to happen. So, if we know that China's China, we know that Taiwan is Taiwan, and we know that the Biden administration didn't want somebody within their own party to go in the first place, then why? Why, Nance? Why did you get on that plane and, as part of a big Pacific tour, make the stop in the most controversial place you could? Well, I got a few guesses. Pelosi has said, and and the scuttlebutt amongst Washington is that she will step down once the Democrats lose power in the House this November. And if that is the case, and her days of being the Speaker of the House is numbered, then, you know, this is a bit of a bucket list item. A legacy-defining moment for the eventual museum in San Francisco. And, of course, there's some tactical worth to this. Economic diplomacy with TSMC. Or maybe she's just old. And... (laughs) Wanted to go out in a blaze of glory. So she intentionally started World War III. You know, suicide by CCP. Probably not. You know, she did successfully make her trip from Taiwan to Korea. But if things pop off from here, then know that it's that old Jenny's ice cream snarfing speaker that got us here. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you guys for listening to this program. It is very, very, very important. And as we move into the big midterm season, which, of course, as soon as that ends, we are officially in the the presidential race for 2024. Now is the time that we got to refresh our reviews. So anywhere that you are listening to this, be it on the podcast app of your choice, Podcast Addict, Overwatch, I use Castro. If they have a review function, then please leave a review. It is most impactful on places like Spotify, on places like Apple, but not everybody listens on those platforms. So don't worry, wherever you can write about this, it greatly helps that we have modern reviews on there because look, the political world moves fast. Thankfully, I I feel like I do a pretty good job of covering this as it happens, but in the reviews, it often means that there are references to things that immediately feel dated because this news cycle moves as fast as it does. So if you could please do me a favor, head to the platform of your choice, give us a five-star review and let people know that this is the podcast they need to pick up now that business is booming in the world of politics. Because once we get even more people on board, then more people can know 
that if you want even more of this podcast, you can head on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. $3 level gets you two bonus episodes per week. And there's plenty of bonus stuff from there. Thank you all very much. Back to the program. John Gibbs is too conservative for West Michigan. Handpicked by Trump to run for Congress, Gibbs called Trump the greatest president and worked in Trump's administration with Ben Carson. Gibbs has promised to push that same conservative agenda in Congress, a hard line against immigrants at the border and so-called patriotic education in our schools. That is a commercial about Josh Gibbs. Mr. Gibbs became the GOP nominee for Congress in a West Michigan district this week. He won by four points, 52% to 48. The man he beat was Peter Meyer, scion of the famous Midwestern grocery chain, who was also one of the handful of Republicans to impeach Donald Trump after the January 6th riots in the House. But the ad we started this segment with did not come from Gibbs. It came from the DCCC, the organization designed to boost Democratic candidates for the House. And the only thing at the beginning that would make you feel like it was a negative ad toward Josh Gibbs is that it says Josh Gibbs is too conservative for Michigan. But you can't see this because it's an audio podcast. All of the visuals just highlight conservative. And then all the things that they list, which are positives for a Republican primary, they just highlight those things. So if you were, say, to be watching this on mute at a sports bar or somewhere else where Republican voters hang out, you would only see the positive things about Josh Gibbs being highlighted. So why? Why would the DCCC boost the standing of a Trump-endorsed MAGA warrior? Because they believe he will be easier to beat in the newly drawn district he is now the nominee for that tilts further left than the one that Meyer had won before the redistricting that happened this year. So let me lay this out again. While we are, are, are gripping our pearls about January 6th, when we are talking about how democracy hangs in the balance and you absolutely cannot put into power, this is from the Democratic point of view, lunatics from Donald Trump's coterie that will only further erode the bond of trust between America and its government, the Democratic Party, and this is the official wing that gets House members elected, are pushing MAGA Republicans over people for whom they believe are reasonable. Because they're beatable, according to them. You know, unless there's a crippling recession that dampers Democratic turnout and Gibbs wins, then the DCCC would have just essentially traded a Republican who stood up to Trump for one that is loyal to Trump. So 
the exact opposite of what they want. Of course, this isn't the first time that the Democratic Party or aligned super PACs have backed MAGA candidates they believe are easier to beat. The same thing happened with Doug Mastriano in Pennsylvania for governor. And by the way, that happened a few months ago. With sparse polling, Mastriano is trailing by 5.7% in the Real Clear Politics average, but a poll taken last month had him as close as 3%. Here's my point. You got to be careful what you wish for. A fringe candidate to one is a true believer to another. And let's not forget that it was the Hillary Clinton campaign that was salivating to run against Donald Trump and not against somebody like Marco Rubio or Jeb Bush. How'd that turn out? Poorly. A fringe candidate to one is a true believer to another. But more than that, whether or not you believe in the electability of Josh Gibbs, and I don't know enough about him or his campaign to think one way or another about it. I'd have to do some more research in terms of that district. But whenever you are in a binary decision between one candidate and another candidate, it only takes one major slip up to boost a struggling competitor. An injury, an illness, unfortunate findings on your hard drive, your spouse doing something crazy. Funding quote-unquote weaker opposition feels like a monkey paw waiting to happen. We'll just see if by the time things are said and done in November, that paw has made a middle finger toward the D triple C. This week, voters in Kansas rejected a referendum that would alter their state constitution's protection on abortion. The current status quo is that abortion is legal up to 20 weeks with allowances for health of the mother. And it was beaten by a substantial margin as well, 58% to 41% as of this recording. A reminder, Donald Trump beat Joe Biden in Kansas by 15% in 2020. Here to talk about the ever-evolving conversation about abortion, life, death, and everything in between is one of our favorites, Kevin Ryan. Welcome back to the show, Kevin. Good to be here, brother. Now, we actually have some, some news that has uh, uh, rattled around amongst all of the primaries, as we mentioned in the intro, this Kansas decision do you think that it's a a big deal, a little deal, or 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 no deal? It's it's definitely interesting at the very least. I think it is a big deal because it, it sort of upends this idea that uh, of the um, inevitable red wave, and but also like with the um, abortion rights issue in a state, a red state like Kansas, which is just one state north of me. I yeah. got family in Kansas and it's, uh, it's, it's pretty, it's, I thought it was pretty conservative, pretty conservative state. Well, I guess that that's, that's the larger conversation that I kind of want to have. And I'm really glad that you happen to be booked for today. So we could talk about this. I I think we're in a real period with this issue where we actually have to talk about things other than for or against where we actually have to talk about the nuances of something that is so personal and, and, and so impactful to so many people. And also is something that, that intersects, especially coming out of COVID 
with a lot of like, what is the government allowed to tell you to do medically for whatever reason? And, and I think that we're, we're in, we're in a very fascinating period for this. And, and the fact that we got a counterintuitive result in Kansas is something that I think is good. I, I, I think I think it makes it. It's going to shake everybody up a little bit to understand that this isn't a red versus blue issue in the same way that we might think it is. Yeah. Um, so what is it? Does it? Is this an example of it? This you know Roe v. Wade being overturned and the power going back to the state. And this is an example of Kansas saying we decide that. Um, what, what what are the what are the terms of it? So so the 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 referendum was on. Currently, abortion is legal in Kansas up to twenty or twenty two weeks, depending on on how you define post uh, post fertilization. Wow! Uh, if that referendum had passed, it would have held, allowed the state to remove that from the state constitution. So so it would have made abortion illegal in Kansas and. What makes it unique is that this was not a situation that was done within the state legislature. This was a referendum. It was put to the populace while this issue was very, very hot and and front of center in people's minds. It was a low turnout election, which usually favors the party for which is more dominant in voter registration. That would be the Republicans in Kansas. And yet... This is where we are. I, I made a very dumb decision, Kevin, last night, uh, right before <laughs> I went to sleep after doing a comedy show where I'd been drinking. And when this when this election was was ruled, I was like, my take on Kansas, because that's exactly what I want to do is wade into the abortion conversation as I'm drifting off, still jet lagged. Uh, but my, my point was. Third trimester abortions are not popular. They're not popular with a broad coalition of people, right? Yeah. Pro-life people really don't like third trimester <laughs> abortions. That was the target for Roe. Roe is gone. And we now move into the conversation of are pro-life people broadly defined, though they are, because I, I think pro-choice and pro-life contains multitudes within them. Yeah. Do Are they for very i said draconian on 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 twitter which i probably shouldn't but anyway uh, uh are they for draconian measures and i do think that if this result is indicative of a larger nuance then there is a gigantic coalition here for any politician that wants to brave the activists and there is a very entrenched activist lobby at either pole of this particular issue Huge. Yeah. That that's what I was wondering with, with, uh, with this right here, was it a matter of like the activist, which is funny because there is this sort of ping pong with like the pro-life, uh, activists spending like the last, what, like 30 years, um, really focusing on that issue, like yeah. overturning Roe v. Wade. Wade. Rovers Wade, Rovers Wade, Rovers Wade. That's it. Very simple. Uh, uh, are you for, Third term abortions. No, you're then you want to overturn Roe versus Wade. And that is the message in the churches. That is the message in the streets. That's the message in the state legislatures. Very easy. This is a Roe versus Wade issue, Roe versus Wade issue, Roe versus Wade issue, which is why initially when when it got overturned, I think you could be understood if you thought that the Republicans were kind of the dog that caught the car because <laughs> you got what you wanted. And now. 
a lot of these decisions that were being made while they wouldn't count because of Roe versus Wade, like a lot of these trigger laws, uh, you're going to have to wonder about exactly how popular they are, even with your voters. And it's funny, too, because, um, well, you just got back from Europe. Yep. Um, the abortion laws in Europe, there's this idea that they're sort of like liberated with regard oh, to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's uh, it's really not. I mean, I think it's like 12 weeks, most places. Yep. Um, I've always been interested in that in that idea, like because the, the abortion laws were, were pretty relaxed here for a long, long time. They, they were. They were. Can we actually let, let's years, take a detour. Let's take a detour into uh, into this. The the Euro fetish that America has, specifically yeah. where American liberals have, yeah. is fascinating to me because I love <laughs> Europe. Like I, I, I yeah. loved being there. I love uh, uh, the, the the countries and the cultures. I think their governments are fascinating, even if I like to make fun of parliaments. Like I, <laughs> I, I do, I do love and appreciate it. But when I'm there, I try to see it for what it is, and not this weird mirror realm fantasy where Europe is the place where everything that we don't like about America is embraced. Oh yeah. That's not true at all. No, that's <laughs> like, I mean, it's like, I mean, there's, uh, this is, could be controversial, but there's a reason why fascism rose, rode up or rose up in Europe. Like all the elements are there and, and it's not because it's be precisely because civilization is just has been embedded there and it yeah. you know it it essentially uh wet, at least in the western world arose out of you know ideas from the greeks um but there's and there's the the obverse um with regard to america where it's like a lot of times the the like if you criticize europe the response you'll get from europeans is like well healthcare and guns how about that yeah. <laughs> like, uh, which is funny because I ran into a bartender in Amsterdam who was like one of our favorite bartenders. He was a great uh, dude, but he was from Crete and he's like, Oh my God, I love Texas. I wish they, I, I, yeah. I, I wish that's huge. Yeah, we would love to own guns legally. We're not allowed to own guns legally. We have to own them illegally, but nobody will come up our hill because they'll get shot. Uh, <laughs> so uh, uh, we are, we are very, but also he drew his line on like, we own our guns. We love guns. We fire guns in the air all the time to celebrate <laughs> things. Uh, uh, true actual quote. When my sister-in-law got married, they had to find two to 300,000 shells afterward. Uh, oh, I uh, love that. So, <laughs> so that's, that's, that's the level. But he drew That was a hell line. of a wedding. <laughs> no, no, not exactly. Uh, uh, but, uh, he drew his line on like, but we don't have the violence. Oh yeah. America has gun violence on a level that, that, that we don't have, despite the fact that we love our guns so much. In fact, that's part of the reason that we are very safe about it because we know if, if all of a sudden we start shooting each other, that's when the cops will come up the hill and start taking the guns. And, and I should clarify that with regard in reference to the fascism statement I made, because in America, it, the that violence is embedded in it's in our DNA. I mean, it, it's like um, from from our revolution, yeah. like and all through this like Wild West 
um, attitude. And it's part of the reason which has allowed America to, to be so dominant because it's like, oh, they, they will shoot me. Yes. Um, like, um, but it, it obviously like spills over into these horrific, um, horrific outcomes. What do you think? When, oh, when, when you say, when you say in our DNA, because I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you, but the way that I would interpret it yeah. is, is more of like the American experience is defined on what you can achieve and achievement means risk or it means pride or it means, you know, so even when you look at like the vast majority of shooting deaths are gang violence and stuff like that, that's very much on the line of, of, you know, motivated economically, but also like this is tribal this is this is us like to to achieve i need to uh, uh i need to to uh, move forward and and risk and sometimes that means that the other guy needs to die yeah and and also i would add to that there's um it arises almost paradoxically out of um our unique and con contribution to the idea of freedom mm -hmm. so the fact like that I mean, in Europe, the like the guns are uh, they'll be taken away more yes. quickly than they will. The guns will never be taken. I mean, I, I live in Oklahoma and I can tell you that it ain't never going to happen. No, not going to happen. No, the, the country will collapse before well, those guns like, are taken like away to, to to confiscate guns in America would be perpetrating <laughs> a war on drugs where the drugs could shoot you. Like, <laughs> and right now we can see how well we're doing at the war on drugs. Uh, uh, the war on guns would, would be like, you know, we already protect drugs with guns. We'd be protecting guns with more guns. That might be one of my favorite lines from you, by the way. <laughs> and there, there are a lot of them. Um, that is very accurate. Um, whereas in, in Europe, there is there is more of that compliance, um, and I'm not, I'm really not a huge fan of that compliance. Um, I, well, that I, that is that is our ideological divide. Our, our, yeah. our ideological divide is like for them, there's a lot of like, well, this works. Look at the yeah. result. Look at what happens when you comply. Look, like it's not that bad, you know. Yes, it's annoying, and and you got to fill out a few more forms, and and uh, uh, you're not allowed to do X, Y, and Z. Boy, it'd be nice if I could do X, Y, and Z. But also look at the results. We we do we do yeah. not have this problem. We do not have that problem. And the American uh, 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 element of me is just like. Ah. I don't know. I'd like the option. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like the option though. <laughs> There's also like, I said that Europe, it's like a civilizational difference, but Europe can also has a lot of elements of like the medieval or earlier. Like, did you see any protests while you were there? I saw protests against Roe versus Wade being overturned. Wow. Well, where it, was this? London in, in, in Trafalgar in London? Square. And oh, I was yeah. like, I, I told I told Ashley was with That's me. That's just like an ongoing protest for yeah, anything. I, I told Ashley uh uh to I'm like, all right, you need to walk into the middle of that and just be like, hi, uh uh American from Texas here. Five quid, all of you. Uh, uh put your money where your mouth is. I need money right now. I'm like, come on, we could we could we could rack it up. Nice. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Especially well, that that would be like a month after. Yeah, it, it was it was a solid. But that then again, Europe is big into the the solidarity rallies just in general. Yeah, like, and is how you wind up with fascism. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> like that, they'll get they'll get behind that. Like, oh, yeah, um, unpack that, unpack that. Uh, I mean, you know, I spent I lived in Spain off and on for a little bit, and um, th- that solidarity aspect is. I mean, we have the birth of individualism in Europe, but you have a totally new version of it that arose in America. Yeah. Um, that doesn't have that idea that there's there's an inherent responsibility to the collective. Um, which when you have that, when you feel like there's an obligation, uh, it's like an obligation in the sense that obligations are more important than rights. Yes. You, you can wind up, in a, in a situation where they're like, well, you know, I kind of ethically or, or morally disagree with this situation, but this guy with a funny mustache is telling me that this is what we need to do. And, you know, he, he arose to this, but maybe he had a little bit of violence getting there, but, you know, the, the uh, Constitution is what allowed him to get there. Um, and then it can really, really spiral. I mean, I think it's like the soil, the soil of Europe is um, a, a recurring battleground for many reasons. And I think that's one of the primary reasons is, is the, the element of, of, of the collective, which I I can, I can understand from their perspective because we have the gift of being a very young country. You know, we, we are, we are generations. Everybody who is living now can, you know, on their two hands, count the generations that haven't most of us one hand can count the generations <laughs> that it took for for our family to get one to finger. america right yeah. yeah so if that's the case and we all move around a lot there's a lot of mobility in in america in in a way that uh you know for europe it's a little bit more of a statement to go mm-hmm. from like you know if i move from you know california to texas it means something to people in California and 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 Texas, but it's not that big of a deal. Like you know, I'm still I no. still have access to all this stuff. I still file the same tax returns. You're still blah blah blah. Speaking English, and- exactly. I'm still speaking English. Where you know, if you go from Dublin to Berlin, you know, I, I was talking to another bartender. Many of my stories are talking to bartenders. I um, love that. But you know, that's something where. I think that it came with an element of I need to reject where I came from so I could embrace where I'm going because the cultures in are or in different in Europe, in Europe, okay. like more yeah. so than, than America. Like every once in a while, like, look, if we're, we're politically divided to the point where if you move from Florida to California, you can be like, Oh, thank God I live in a totally different state or something like that. But I don't think it was the same as, Somebody like the the guy from from uh, uh, Glasgow who moved to moved to to Berlin because he's like I just think fundamentally the the, the decisions in the culture are 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 different here and I think that does also breed conflict like like there's when, when there's less room to roam and and the cultural connections to the geography are like no joke. Like no, not for at all. Real like like Seriously. there is there is nothing. There is no fight in in a in a Dodgers uh, a Giants parking lot. There is no uh, poisoning of the oaks in Auburn by an Alabama fan that can prepare <laughs> you for the no, level no, of no, hatred no. that happens in Europe based on geography. Oh God, it's um, it can be really scary. Um, and and it's also like nationalism in in the true sense that the academic left in America 
claims that's happening in America. Yeah. Like it's uh, I mean, like go, going back to Spain, I mean, just look at, you know, we've, we've got one civil war on the books, which <laughs> I'm not like, I'm not downplaying bad. our civil war. Bad, but, bad, bad, bad. We're, we're, we're <laughs> put that in the bad pile. Yes. It's bad. Yes. Yeah. But if you look at Spain, I mean, I think it's like 30 civil wars, coups, uh, <laughs> dictatorships, like um, a serious. And that's just in the fairly modern uh, on the modern portion of this history of this country that's been around much longer than that. That's not even considering like the Moors and that and that whole power struggle that's been taking place over the course of centuries it's uh and i think that's where i saw i keep going on about fascism i've been reading up a lot about fascism because it's like it's one of those those words that gets thrown around a lot and i really i was like oh that's dumb i don't think people understand what it means and then i realized oh i don't either yeah. i don't like so i've been diving into it and um it's it's an interesting it's an interesting thing because I don't feel like there's that much of it. So how would you define it then? Having, having done your, your, your recent reading. Um, the state uh, as the center of life. Um, as like um, above even like personal beliefs, above religious beliefs and very much in uh, a, um, an allegiance to a collective, but a collective that's directly um, obedient to the state. And so this is probably why it goes hand in hand with like wartime powers and stuff like that, because the states of emergency. Yeah. Yeah. Moments of of panic are, are when you're like, okay, everybody knock off all of your own bickering. We need to get in line. We need to, to uh, survive. Survival is a powerful motivator. And then, you know, this if guy things seems are going trustworthy. Well, yeah, yeah. If things are going well, you're like, well, geez, why don't we? You know, uh, we, we should we should do this all the time. It seems like it's really kicking ass. This guy needs more power. Let's get. Yeah. He, he's doing good with the power we gave him. He already did so good. Now, why don't we give him some more? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so 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 you would say that that the more you have understood that there is, it sounds like the thing that is missing from many definitions, which I would describe fascism before we had this conversation as a, some version of a, a top down government without checks and balances, like, like that there is a, that oh, there is yeah. a state and what you, your definition added on to that is that there is a spiritual component of submission by the populace and adoration of the strong man. And then that is, that is a crucial element of it is that there has to be this connection between the, 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 the fascist ruler and, and the ruled or else it doesn't work. Is, is that, is that, is that the, the, the special sauce that, that makes the big Mac of fascism? That was a good, that's a good big Mac there. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and the, um, the allegiance is militant. And it's um, it's sacrificial in a way. I mean, Mussolini was atheist. Um, so it it's interesting. And what really piqued my interest is this um, this sort of fascination lately in um, in the media and in various parts of the media 
about Christian nationalism. And mm-hmm. I've also at the same time seen a lot um just an immediate um sudden usage of the term Christo fascism, which yeah. um automatically was like sent off red flags. And I, and I was like, what is wrong with pairing those two um, Christianity and fascism? And I, I see what they're, I, it's a critique of the like merging Christianity and fascism. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping that it's with the understanding that the, the inherent principles of Christianity are not compatible with fascism at all. If anything, it's like, um, I mean, they're just, they, they're immediately in conflict. Uh, Because because the idea of any kind of monotheistic religion is that you put a spiritual deity ahead of any man and that, that no man, no man can have the power of God. And so therefore in endowing any man with that kind of power and demanding that kind of adoration is something for which is, uh, uh, is, is, is incompatible. Is that what you're getting at? Uh, partly. No, that's, that's absolutely right. I mean, um, but especially Christianity, um, because it is, I mean, um, Mussolini said there is a, a right violence and there is, or there's a, um, a wrong violence and a right violence and Christianity. Um, I'm, and I'm talking specifically new Testament here. That's, that is not it. I mean, like turn the other cheek, you know, like, uh, pray for your enemies. Yeah. Like that, that is, um, and, and just the idea that the basis of, of Christianity is love and you don't, you don't really get that in fascism. It's not real big on like the emphasis of love. It's, uh, it's uh obligation or duty over, over love. Ah, oh, man. Yeah. You know, it was, it was fascinating going through Germany. I, I, I don't know. I don't think I told you this, but I made a goal for myself that I wasn't going to bring up world war two to any German Oh God! Um, because I not because I I thought it was going to offend them or anything. Oh, they will no. trust me. No, I I oh, had they're... conversations with them about it, but I was never the one to bring it up, and I never wanted to make yeah. any kind of Hitler jokes or anything like that. Because America, <laughs> we love we love Hitler jokes. I mean, like like it's any kind of like we we're we're two seconds away. Like <laughs> when when look when 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 you win when you take a dub that big. Like you're going to go a few generations talking about it. Like, so, uh, uh, but I wanted to not do it. It was a good day. It was was a pretty good, I mean, come on. (laughs) Uh, But like, uh, uh, yeah, I didn't want to bring it up. And, uh, you know, the more that I wind up talking to people about it, it's like, there is this very um, interesting perspective that, that Germany has post-World War II, where every, like in current education, the 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 point is we we never want to be led to that path again like no. in 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 militant instruction here is do not glorify it do not talk about it or no talk about it please talk about it understand why this is this is a thing that will that that will that will never happen but i wonder you know i don't know i, I guess having not been in a situation where you know, uh, um, you've, you've been on the losing side of, of, of a world war and those kinds of atrocities are, are laid bare for the, for, you know, the, the global public 
to see. I don't know what that does to a people. I, I don't know what that does, like what, what the appropriate response is like, like at, at, at no point, I don't think are they going to in the near future be like, well, we did that enough. Uh, 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 now we can be a little looser in the way we talk about uh, Adolf. Oh, it it's no, it's serious. I mean, you like you'll go in plaques or you'll see plaques around in any city, but especially Berlin saying like at this point, the Nazis rounded up, you, you know, Jews on this date. And it is, they're like lashing themselves. Yeah. And like n- not too far away from uh, oh, what is it called? The Reichstag. Yep. There's the, that the monument to the concentration camp. Were you yeah. able to see that haunting? Yes. Yeah. D- did you go? Were you able to, to visit a this is not a real lighthearted way to spend a vacation, but were you able to visit a concentration camp? I had in the past. I've been to Auschwitz. Oh, okay. Um, but but you I did not, not on not on not on this vacation. No. No, when I was in college, the Anti-Defamation League sponsored a trip for campus newspaper editors. And so uh I went to Poland, Bulgaria, and Israel. So it was it was the wow. tour of ghettos wow. and Auschwitz and uh then a week in Israel. So there was I was I was very well educated on the uh, the 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 plight of the the European Jewry and and how horrifying and and terrible that uh that 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 situation was. I was also hung over when I went to Auschwitz, which you're not going to get any <laughs> sympathy when uh, you're like, like ah, Christ, like they couldn't build a gift shop. I need aspirin. This Gatorade. is really depressing, and my head is splitting. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's. Uh, yeah, that's an important experience. Yeah, I, that's an important experience that I definitely. Um, that is intense. That is intense. I yeah, I, I I've, never, to, I've never been. I've never been more moved in my life. And and it was one of those same, things where same. I remember looking. We were in the 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 gas chambers, and oh. I remember looking up one of the vents where they would dump the the Cyclone B, and I had this very kind of like spiritual moment of like mm-hmm. how many other people was this their last thought was this their last mm-hmm. view was this their last thing and you i don't know i mean not not to get too kind of in 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 the cosmos but this is this is why we have you on like there is something to me where it's like when you feel a connection to a lineage when you feel a connection to other people like there is this very um, powerful feeling that can kind of wash over you, especially when you're in a situation where where people were in such pain. Uh, it, it is it is searing. You will never you will never ever forget it. No, I, I and I had that too, and I would call it. I had a moment of revelation. I yeah. went to S- Saxonhausen, and it was it was like rainy all day. You know, all, all those elements uh, and. You know, I when I went to the the when I finally got to to look at the gas chambers, I was like alone, and oh, it was this moment. I know, and the the sky opened, and I I haven't cried like that. Yeah, um, and you know, it was like my soul was expressing this ache for the fact that so many people were 
we're murdered. We're murdered. Like, and like that in that way, exactly like you said, uh, horrific. Like, and I think that's such an important, uh, I, I've been reading this book, uh, called the power powers of horror by mm-hmm. Julia Kristeva. And she talks about how, uh, abjection and how these moments of absolute horror, um, like, you know, the sight of a corpse, for instance, yeah. man, we're really jumping into it Let's here, go. aren't we? Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Uh, and she talks about how these moments of abjection are what connect us to uh, eternity. And she uses it as, um, so, not exactly, but she uses it as a confirmation of the existence of God, or at least the need to believe in God. So gotcha. that w- yeah. when you're in these moments, you connect with the sublime in a way and with true human beauty. Uh, but it's it's beauty at the the mouth of the abyss, at yeah. the in the jaws of a labyrinth that we are terrified of. And it's uh, Simone Weil, the French philosopher, describes those moments as like um, the moments where God devours you where God eats you. Yeah. Um, so. Well, and I think that, that that hits us because it shows us how far the beauty goes. It yeah. takes these moments I love for that. it to be gone. And so it's like you, 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 when you watch a family member die, when you see yeah. a horrifying accident, when you, you know, watch, I mean, I remember we, we were around the same age when, uh, the, the, all of a sudden beheading videos were a thing that could just oh, show up stuff that you would never be on the news. Now it's just getting passed around LimeWire and, and, and stuff <laughs> like that. Uh, uh, these moments of horror where you're, where all of a sudden everything becomes very, very real. You realize, wow, it took that for the lights to go out. It took yeah. that for, for, for humanity to stop, which means whether or not we understand it, we can't help but feel it that humanity extends to that border that, that yeah. it gets all the way to there. Like we, we have love and beauty and truth and, 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 and that's, that's what, what it is. And I think that that's part of why these moments are, important not necessarily because they're sad although obviously that as well they're heartbreaking but because we had to walk this very long path of humanity to get there yeah definitely it it connects you to something ancient um which is interesting because the holocaust wasn't that long ago no like but it taps into something that is like a revulsion that is that precedes all of us by, by at least like tens of thousands of years. Oh my like, God. You went to just, I just crossed my mind. We are not far away. Like we're going to live through a hundred year anniversaries. Yes, of World War II. Right. Yeah. Damn. I was thinking, I was thinking about that in a different, in the context of like, we're going to have to be around when a lot of those voices that survived those words, yeah. they vanish. Yeah. And I, I, I'm, I'm, we're fortunate that they've been incredibly well documented. Yes. But I mean, an absence is still, it doesn't matter how well you record an absence. It's still, it's still gone. Yeah. Well, uh, the, the uh, feelings don't really go away. 
Yeah, uh, 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 exactly. Uh, uh, unsurprisingly, uh, this interview, of course, has gone uh, in, in in many places. This was a little bit more dour than we normally get, but I think yeah. it is certainly a fantastic conversation. Kevin, uh, uh, where can people find you? Uh, on Twitter at uh, the underscore Kevin underscore Ryan. Fantastic, man. Thank you so much. Good to be here, brother. Politics, Politics, Politics is written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young, for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. The show was edited by Brett Stewart. Go ahead and follow Kevin Ryan on Twitter, px3guest.com. Of course, you can email the show, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Our Twitter for the program is px3tweets. Our Twitch, where you can see me stream live, is px3live. You can follow my newsletter on Substack at px3newsletter.com and follow the podcast and share it with all of your friends, family, and clergy at px3podcast.com. You can support me, paypal.me slash payjury with a one-time donation. Uh, Venmo is justin-young-20. Cash app is px3cash. And you can send anything You'd like in the mail, checks, fiat currency, doubloons, P.O. Box, 153184, Austin, Texas, 78715. Again, Post Office Box, 153184, Austin, Texas, 78715. There is only one way that you can get bonus content for this show, and that is to head on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. $3 tier gets you two bonus podcasts per week, covering all the news that we miss on our free podcast schedule, and the $10 tier gets your name right at the end of the podcast like these fine folks in the Titanic. $10 tier. MC Dradio, Unsafe DB Levels, Katie, Amanda, Yield, Pinball Shop, DP4 Bongo, Kneemeister, Catherine, V-Guard, Persons Familiar with the Matter, and Vote Gloria Young for King of the New World Order. Edison, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, select, start. Dr. G, Neil Patel, Charles, Darren, Idris, Arslandian, Blue Front, and the Lanina. DL, Steven, Chad, Nomadic Terran, Diana Shrill Shrieks, Miranda Janelle, Adam, Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul is awesome. Brad, Richard, D. Laser, just another pilot, middle aged Mike who loves Frank got abducted, Utah, Jimmy Montana, the Gen, A L D L D L, D. Really, Chopper, Andrew, and Joshua. You want your name right at the end of the show? Especially during these big episodes, man. Now's the time. Head on over. Patreon.com. Well, no, just take politics seriously.com. That's where you need to go. But it is a Patreon.com portal. So we use for that. All right. That's it for us today. Thank you all very, very much for joining us. We'll be back next week for you. Until then, this is your old pal, Justin Robert Young, saying... Some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more discuss politics, but this is the only show that dares discuss all
Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio.